0: Hello and welcome. Welcome to
1: Peace On. Welcome to the Peace Alliance Hope Story Circle. Welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance. And I'm joined to facilitate today by Liz Gannon-Graden, who is our board chair, and Yelena Bopovich, who is our teaching, peace, and schools lead. And our special guest today is Jan Fox Peterson, and I'm so excited to have her share her story. Jan, can you
2: come off mute and say hello to everyone? Hello there. I am delighted to be here today.
1: Wonderful. We're we're really excited to have you here. You, You have a strong topic that's very close to our hearts, the Peace Alliance, related to restorative justice. So we're excited to hear your story. But first, let's have Yelena lead us in a meditation and bring us all in
3: together. Yelena? Thank you, Terry. Welcome, Jan. Hello, friends. Um, welcome, everyone. Yeah, so I just want to invite you in a few moments of pausing and just let come, let invite yourself into a comfortable position, anything that your body appreciated this moment. So you're welcome to be on or off camera, welcome to close your eyes if that feels comfortable. Just allow your eyes to settle a
4: few in front of you. And that just. Perhaps just take a moment to take in some few tensional breaths. Any breaths that feel soothing and comforting to you in this moment. And if breath is not accessible to you, just feeling soles of your feet. You notice this connection with your breath, your feet. I invite you to silently send a thought of appreciation. Just a sincere thank you. So Space. Hope story circle, providing time and space salt to join it. be Just inviting your body to to ground, perhaps checking in your feet, your sit, your shoulders, And if you become aware of any obvious tension, just gently breath. See if you can tension by allowing your body to let go this moment of connection and us. As we close this practice, I invite you to bring attention to your heart. You're welcome to place your hand on just bring awareness to it. Just notice the flow of your heartbeat. As you inhale. Breathing in kindness, as you exhale, letting any tension, any anxiety, let go, Screeting each breath with kindness and care. And you are ready. Perhaps taking
3: one more real, intentional breath, even exhaling, get out with a sigh. Ready, coming back, flickering your eyes open if they were closed. Welcoming this day, this moment, this community.
4: Welcome. Jan, thank you all for your practice.
2: Thank you so much for guiding us into that meditation. That was really sweet. So thank you. So I guess it's time for me to jump into my story. Is that what's next on the agenda? Well, um, I'm going to start from a... Uh, the beginning. I'm going to keep that part short, but it's an important part of the story. Um, I was the youngest of three children. My brother and sister are four and two years older than me. And our parents were 16 and 17 when they were pregnant with my brother. And so the first six years of my life was very idyllic because we lived with my grandmother and my grandfather and my parents and my brother and sister. And I called my grandfather dad and my grandmother mother because for me my grandmother was my primary attachment she um was my warm blanket she was my nurturer I am not sure I think my mother was so young and she um had these two other children to take care of and my attachment was with my grandmother and my memory of her is she just oozed warmth and grace um never heard her raise her voice. Um, she just was quite a lovely lady. And for me, the sad thing that happened is that when I was sick, she developed ovarian cancer and um, passed shortly. We were Christian science at the time. And I don't know if you know much about that religion, but um, we didn't really seek out the council of doctors that much. It was more a focus of mind over matter but anyway, the, the thing that was so difficult about that is that um, nobody in my family, and even in those times, hardly knew what to do with grief, and especially a grieving little girl. And um, there were some traumatic events that happened. I, I watched her suffer in pain with as this cancer was just wreaking havoc through her body. And um, it was just very, very scary. And then just even the way that she passed. Every day I was told, she's fine, your mother's fine, she's going to be fine. And then one day I was whisked off to the neighbors when she passed. And so I recognize now, as an adult, way later, what what happened to me at that time in that I completely separated from myself. I I was traumatized by her death and the way that she Mm -hmm. died. And the lack of just communication. And none of this is to blame anyone from my family. I am thankful for my family. It's, if I could erase the word blame and shame from our vocabulary, I absolutely would. It was just, it was the times and people had a lot going on in their lives. And so this little girl was just kind of, um, I would say pushed to the side in many ways. And I, I just... What happened was I went to school and I just refused to talk. I went um, mute and so much so that they had a speech language pathologist meet with me and assess whether I could talk or not. And so I went through pretty much my whole elementary, middle to high school years, not speaking to adults at all. I had some friends. I, I looked the part that I was doing OK. I, you know, I, I like school. I I didn't attend very much, but I kept up with my grades and papers. But I was basically completely on my own without a real village or community of support. Um, I was fortunate in that I had a couple very best friends that were just amazing humans. So it was really my friends that propped me up through my life. But that led me into just this sense that I do not have a voice and I do not have a voice at all. In fact, I was in an honors um, math class at the time when I first entered junior high or middle school, and the teacher told me, "You know what, Janet? It's your job to just sit there, be quiet, and be pretty. Smile and be pretty." I mean, that was the message I I got. Uh, whether it was intended or not, I I'm not going to judge that. But the message I got is that I do not have a voice, and um, I knew deep down I had a voice, but I really did not know how to discover it. And in fact, when I went to college then, I did not take the speech class until I was a senior in college, and there was a tiny class for people like me who would not speak in front of people, and that was just not my thing. So fast forward, um, I will say that I, I do have three wonderful, humane, compassionate Adult children that I'm very proud of, and my ex and I, their father, and I often say that they turned out to be fabulous despite us. So, I I do want to say that I I have lived a a good life as an adult and looked around to try to find a village of support. And um, we just can't do it on our own. I did not do it well when I was young on my own. I survived, but it was just a matter of survival. But so, fast forward into some tragedies that my students or that my children went through, not my students, my children, and some other things that we were dealing with, I was looking around for a career. And that's when I went to school to become a school psychologist. And I would say that that along with these other factors was life changing. In as I was placed in schools that were high poverty, high at risk, and I just was so concerned that, All we're looking at is the surface of behavior. The surface is what's happening when we really need to find out what are the skills missing that are creating barriers from being successful? How has trauma affected our students' ability to perform academically and social emotionally in school? So I started looking around for deeper answers, just even for my own life and for those that I served as a school psychologist. And through that, um, journey, I stumbled onto trauma-informed care with Bruce Perry, which was wonderful. I studied with um, Dr. Ross Green, an incredible psychologist who has proactive and collaborative solutions. And then through that, I also studied, I wanted to study conflict because I was on a lot of different teams as a school psych and not all those teams were collaborating collaborating in a the way, that really connected with each other, heard the needs of the parents and the needs of the students. And so I was just concerned about just even conflict in my own life. How do I handle it? How do I support teams in handling conflict? How do I um, support our students? And so through that, I I studied dispute resolution and and became as um, a Supreme Court approved dispute resolution provider But then that wasn't even quite enough. And then that is how I found the body of work, restorative justice in education and restorative practices. And that in itself has absolutely been mind blowing and life altering. It is part about justice in the criminal um, system and how biased it is, how racist it is. But it also is about just a way of being, a way of showing up in life in ways that honor our own voice, have compassion for, the, for our own needs and thinking while we hold compassion for the other. And so the journey has really started within me, a reflective process of finding a sense of belonging, voice and agency for myself and then empowering others To do the same it's not doing two people four people or not at all it's joining with side by side remaining curious listening more and uh, assuming less and so through that body of work um, we we piloted it at a at risk high at risk high school in wichita public schools and as that the group formed, we we started with a coalition of the willing, people that we knew already had the heart for peace and relationships and community and humanity. We didn't worry about naysayers. We just kept moving forward and uh, grew in number. And as those from, from that high school, as people went out into different high schools and different jobs, Wichita Public Schools has 50,000 students. So it's a large district. So as people went out into other schools and continued the work and restorative practices, the district really started taking note. And now it is the primary paradigm that our school district is embracing of restorative practices. And so I started out as this school psychologist in this school system, not really thinking I had a voice to influence change, but it was the passion and the compassion and care for those around me that I knew I had to and must speak up and we needed to start doing things differently, thinking about things differently. And the whole journey just started with self-reflection within me. And so um, we have a long ways to go. Um, Institutions are institutions, bureaucracies are bureaucracies, but I'm pleased that overall, I, I see a heart shift in our community. And so where I am now, we often talk within the restorative practices work about Ubuntu, which is an African philosophy about, I am because you are, and we are all connected. And if I am ignoring your, your pain just to center on mine, we're not ever gonna be a collective supportive group of people. So it's, it's not just about the individual. I mean, we've been about just the individual for too long and it's really not working. It is about the collective. And I, I just wanna give credit to indigenous populations who have used this philosophy and traditions for generations and generations. And um, it, it's not it's not a new practice at all, but it is a vital practice if we're going to survive. And um, what a big concern I have is I had a colleague say the other night that the quality of our lives are dependent and determine, well, let's say the quality of our relationships determine the quality of our lives. If our relationships are broken, it's hard for our lives to feel whole. And so as important as relationships are, we get so few training and skills? And how do we build and maintain these relationships, especially when things are tough? And so it becomes about our the individual relationships we have in our own lives, as well as then reflecting on the community and, and using our voices as women, especially because we often think that we, we don't have the power to use our voice. I say that we must use our voice to move this peace agenda, this peace initiative forward. It is the only way forward. Otherwise, we are absolutely going to destroy ourselves. And I just appreciate to be with like-minded people who are on this same journey. We may have different roads that we're on, a variety of roads, but the the focus is the same. And that is promoting peace. And peace starts with me. And so we, we use a lot in our training um, the framework of compassionate communication or nonviolent communication. And, and basically that fits right into the four agreements by Don um, Miguel Ruiz, Ruiz that talks about do your best. And what does that mean to do your best? For me, that is how am I valuing the, the, the values I've established of who I wanna be and how I wanna be in interacting with other people? And for me, that is holding compassion for my own needs. And what what am I feeling and needing, but at the same time having compassion for the needs and feelings of the other, doing my best, taking nothing personal. Now through these years, the attacks that came my way by promoting restorative practices, a paradigm that was really um, interfering with the traditional way of doing things, of punishing. um, If I would have taken those attacks personally, I would have got exhausted and burnt out. And then so do your best, take nothing personal, make no assumptions. So just learning to step back from reactionary approaches um, to very responsive and intentional approaches are so important. So take nothing personal, make no assumptions, do your best and then be impeccable with your word. And that means we gotta also speak up and speak up in a way that it makes it easier for people to hear us. But the the nonviolent compassionate communication is about stepping back from any situation that we're in with people and just telling what are we observing that we could pick up on a video, not what are we evaluating, any meaning we're attaching to it, but just purely the facts. What What are we observing that could be picked up on a video? What are we noticing? What are we hearing? What are we seeing? with no evaluation because that conflict zone keeps going round and round and round when we are in a place of attacking self, attack others, withdraw or avoid or evaluating and judging and assuming. So we wanna just step away from that. We're so used to evaluating and assuming and judging, we don't even know it. And then that second part is, okay, what am I feeling? What am I truly feeling from what I'm observing? And years ago, I had a therapist ask me, Jan, what are you feeling? And I honestly, I had no earthly idea. I was so in my head. And even still now, when I'm going through something, I will bring out a feeling chart for myself just to help me to know, okay, Jan, what are you really feeling? Because of years of having to protect myself and not speak up and and not be my authentic self, I was just totally in my head. So moving from my head to my heart. And that is really the the transformation I've had through these concepts of nonviolent communication. So you observe, identify your feelings, and then what what are my needs? What am I needing in this? And if how I'm communicating is that going to get my needs met in this situation? So being intentional again about expressing those needs, and then being explicit about making requests about what we we need. So these these these. Um, concepts and philosophy direct a way of being that brings more connected relationships and especially provides us some tools when things go wrong, how are we going to make things right? And so um, I am just continuing on. I appreciate this opportunity to share about my story of how I started as a young girl in, in a lot of grief, but I do believe that grief caused me to be very compassionate towards other people and uh, people that may be looking like they're okay on the outside. But um, it caused me to to really want to care about other people and connect in a community after many years uh, alone, trying to survive as, as a young person. And so that just brings me back To today, where I'm never going to stop growing, learning, changing, embracing new concepts if they make sense to me, and um, continue the work, the work of promoting peace. And I'm always thankful to just connect with others who are wanting to do the same.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Jan. Thank you for
1: sharing your story, Yelena, Liz. What do we think for an inquiry for folks in the breakout rooms?
5: Yeah, Um, Jan. You know, those of you who have been on the call before know we always meet the night before and kind of work on inquiry question. And I released all of that as I was listening to your story. Again, there was something so beautiful and so powerful about your share. And I was sitting here thinking, "What's the inquiry? What's the inquiry? What's the inquiry?" And what came up for me. I'm going to work my way through it for just one, a couple of seconds is I would invite you to move into the rooms with just the very simple inquiry. What part of the story spoke most to you? Mm. What part of Jan's story spoke most to you? Because as you were talking, I had this Opening, this widening, and I was thinking of a million questions I would want to explore with the people in this room. And so, why don't we trust as we move into the rooms what parts spoke for you and what emerges for you as what you could contribute to the collective vision? Maybe that's it, right? What emerges for you? I loved when you talked about a lot of us have done the individual work, and now we're all sitting in this room. How do we want to move forward and how do we want to connect together, maybe? So, maybe that's what emerges. Uh, you know, what, what's the part of the story that touched you most? What did that touch in yourself that you know is either your gift or your strength, what makes you glow, what you have created? And how might we work together to further the community that you just talked about, the community of peace and connection? Is that clear enough as, a, <laughs> as an inquiry? Is there anyone who wants Clara?
0: I think that's well spoken, Liz. Thank you.
1: So, we're going to go into breakout rooms. Um, For those of you who have not been with us before, we'll be in breakout rooms and think about the thoughts that Liz just opened up based on Jan's story. And our agreements in the rooms are to listen with your heart, to speak with your heart, to say just enough so that others have a chance to share. And if you don't feel inspired to share yourself, then give the gift of listening. And to keep confidentiality. When we come back, we'd love to hear from people and here's what's bubbling up if you have things to share, questions to ask. But when you come back, don't share someone else's specific personal story. You could speak to the themes, you can share your own, but don't share someone else's personal story because that will be on the podcast. So thank you so much. And I'm gonna pause the recording and we're going to go into the breakout rooms for about 15
0: minutes, and then we'll come back together.
1: Well, welcome back, everyone. Oh, I see such sweet faces. <sighs> I'm excited to hear what happened and what's bubbling up for people. Would anybody like to share or ask anything? Feel free to come off mute
4: and join us. Mm. Carolyn, you're off. you're on mute. I see your mouth moving. I'm suggesting that Judy mention the book we just talked about.
0: Okay.
6: Judy. Uh, Well, I was just saying the four agreements is one of my favorite books of all time. And I give it away to a lot of, as a gift to a lot of young people and, uh, uh, and my husband has it next to his bed at night, and we read it sometimes together. Um, and i it's it's interesting. I just came I didn't say this in a group, but I was just thinking about it. I just came back from the amazon and in a very uh, remote ashwar uh, community. and um it's interesting. they practice the four agreements. I mean, you could see it in the way. with each other and uh, it, it is a, a great teacher. That's all. And so we were talking a little bit about that beyond the sending Carolyn good survival tools for ha <laughs> and how to hang clothes. <laughs> We've covered a lot.
1: <laughs> do they, I'm curious, Judy, do they practice the four agreements because they've been exposed to the book or do they practice oh,
6: them just oh, organically? No, they don't read. No, yeah. the, no they just do it because it works in yeah. their, it's, just community. it's 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 how they've evolved but it is interesting it works within their community but for many years and still today it, with another nation which is paired with them they might not apply <laughs> but within their community they use those pre- those premises it's it's Oh, yeah. No, out of your evolution of getting along and surviving in very uh, challenging conditions, mm. I think.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm.
4: Would anybody else like to share anything that's bubbling up for you right now? To share or to ask? Any questions, Carolyn,
7: animator Carolyn? I didn't uh, share this in the group, but we talked a lot about um, owning your voice. And um, Jan, thank you so much for that story. I mean, we could be kindreds, um, grief, the four agreements, nonviolent communication. And, And from all of that, I began teaching and coaching other women to own their voices because of grief and trauma and um using the four agreements and then the fifth. Um, (laughs) And uh it it didn't dawn on me until uh we were talking in small group that you know what you know when I was little I was I wasn't mute but I was told to shut up (laughs) all the time. And couldn't speak my truth, you know? And so I just didn't, I, I just didn't. And um, when I got to high school and college, we had to take speech classes and I couldn't do it. When it was time for me to be a, just, I would get sick physically, I just couldn't do it. And then in college, I was taking a, a English course and the professor, she was, just, I mean, an outright outright racist. She was just really mean to me and the one other girl of color. You know, she would, if we had to sign something, she would throw the pen at us and she would bad mouth us and it was, it was horrible. And, but I had to give a speech in her class and I was terrified, but I went uh, and I researched, I wrote a poem, I, and I gave the most incredible speech, and she didn't. I mean, she she became my best friend, <laughs> if you will. Um, I got an A in that class, and she was saying that you know, well, we're the experts, and we have to kind of. Yeah. And and I'm like, who is this woman? She was a week ago. She was just so nasty to me, but it's something about you know um, when you can't own your voice you you go through some sort of trauma some sort of grief some sort of life altering experience in order that um your god your higher power whomever will allow that voice to speak through and break through so that it helps others to heal and that is so powerful and i'm so grateful that I was allowed to do that. And I'm grateful that you were too, Jan.
4: And thank you for the work you do. Thank you, Carolyn.
2: Carolyn, thank you for sharing that. That's a powerful story and I I do relate,
4: I do. Would anyone else like to share? Anything that's bubbling up for you? or anything you'd like to ask about. It's all about finding your voice. (laughs) You have an opportunity. (laughs) Ian, I see your mouth moving, but you're on mute.
0: Ian, did you are you speaking to us? You need to come off mute.
8: Anna B, you mean?
1: No, I said Ian. Ian. Okay. There you (laughs) are. There you are.
8: I was struck in our conversation. I was in the same group that Carolyn was in. And um, her last comments made me focus on something that Jan and I had spoken about. Uh, in previous conversations, and that was about the assumptions that we make uh, that guide our actions, Mm. and then they remain in place until they're informed by developing relationships and having more input into what we um, see the other as being. And uh, the last story we heard about those professors uh, (laughs) who don't really perform as well as we would expect. And I'm one of those, I would say, so I'm speaking about my own kind, if you like. Mm -hmm. Um, But the assumptions that were made about her and then when she made that speech, it was so great. Uh, And the professor's um, approach changed dramatically. That was a perfect example of of how assumptions, uh, the precursors of behaviour, Uh, And I think one of the things that we all ought to be reminded of in this conversation is to become very aware of assumptions and and the role that they play in dictating our behavior towards others.
0: Thank you. Well,
1: we're going to bring a call to a close. Going to put some links in the chat. The Hope Story Circles are brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org. And our mission is to educate, advocate, and mobilize people into action to transform systems and public policy toward a culture of peace. There's also a link to our peace on podcasts, which um, is there, and also a link about our hope story circles. We are, we've been having, we're in, we just had our third anniversary of having our Hope Story Circles. And we invite you to come back, continue to join us and bring friends and tell other people about it. We really enjoy these times with folks like you. There's also a link to our blueprint for peace. This is a major initiative that we've had going for some time now. And if you sign the petition, you'll let all of your elected officials know that you support policies related to the strategies of building peace and fostering nonviolence. There's also a link about our Department of Peacebuilding legislation. It was just reintroduced to Congress, to HR 1111. Um, and we are a small nonprofit. We appreciate donations of any size. There's a link to the donations, especially our peace partners, our monthly donors that give us sustainable income. We, we appreciate that very much. It's also just a link to the calendar of events so you can see the other things we're up to when our next hope story circles are at peacelinesorg slash calendar. So with all of that, I'll hand back to Liz to bring us home today. Thank you so much for being here, Liz.
5: Uh, Yeah, thank you, Terry and Yelena. And Jan, thank you for your story and everyone who shared. And I love the themes that came up around voice, the commonality of not having your voice that came up and and assumptions. Ian, I really like how you named that. And I want to bring it back to relationships because, There are two stories of relationships um, that I want to share. One came up in the last 24 hours and one came up in the half hour before I got on the call. (laughs) And one is someone I know and someone, one I saw on social media. I was a teacher, middle school teacher for 17 years from 1987 to 2003. And then I left to be home with my own children. But I've stayed in touch with a lot of those former students. And one of them has become a really beautiful friend. And I'm a really huge tennis fan. And this beautiful former student of mine uh, is in a position where she worked for one of the sponsors of the U.S. Open. And she said to me a few years ago, do you want to come sit in my box courtside to watch, if any of you know tennis, Rafael Nadal play tennis? And I said, yes, because he's my favorite player. (laughs) And so I posted that. That was back in 2017. And then just this week, a couple of friends put that Facebook challenge out to just say, post 10 pictures of you in a place of joy. And, and so I posted that, that picture sitting in the box. And I got a private message from a former student who was in that same class. And the student was kind of, he was one of the youngest of 10 children. You're talking about the youngest of three, right? And he kind of got lost. And he um, he was a beautiful kid. Uh, But I think the other kids didn't always know how to respond to him. And he sent me a note and said, is that so-and-so? And said the name of the person. And I said, it is. He said, she was the kindest person to me at school. And I never forgot how kind she was. And so that was, I taught them in 1987. And just seeing a picture on Facebook brought back this memory of someone who had been kind to him. And I thought that was so powerful to me. I'm holding that, how we don't know the repercussions of how we are in relationship with people. But if I can just, yeah, we have a couple of minutes. I just want to share something that got me excited because a lot of people talk about the negative things about social media. And I'm always of the mind that if something's out there, we just have to figure out how to use it as a tool for the for the good. And something got came up and it was a story that was posted And I guess it started with, in in 2018, a young woman was trying on dresses, whether for prom or whatever, and she texted a picture to who she thought was a friend to say, what do you think? So you guys, do any of you know this story? Okay. And so it came to a gentleman who was home with his five kids. His wife wasn't home, but he was with his five kids, and he said, I know how... These moments are. I'm a father of daughters, and I want her to know. I could have just said it's a wrong number, but I thought she looked beautiful, and I want to affirm it. And I got all of my five children together, and we said, "My wife isn't home, uh, and I don't know her opinion, but the six of us think you look great with thumbs up." And her friend, she sent it to the friend it was actually supposed to go to, and she put it, and it became one of those viral videos. And someone who knew the person the man said he actually has six children. And the reason his wife and his other son weren't there is because he has leukemia and and he was at the doctor getting treatments. And they said, okay, uh, internet, you know, the right thing. And there was a GoFundMe for this young little boy who was going through kind of leukemia treatments. And almost very quickly, they raised (laughs) $60,000 And so I'm calming right before I got on this call to find an update and there is a page for him. And and he, all these years later, he's doing well and the family is still posting updates. And I thought, even just that small kindness of wanting that young girl to know that people out there cared about her and how they might be holding her in that moment about does this dress look good on me? So I thought that was interesting to me. And when you talk, Jan, about... Um, how do we move this to the community level? I thought one of those was a very personal relationship, community if you continue school. But the other was the potential for who we can be to each other in the wider community.
4: Mm -hmm.
5: And so as we move into the next two weeks, I invite all of us to think about maybe those moments when a small kindness uh, or a person from the past made a difference in our lives and how we can just hold the specialness of not only the big relationships in our lives, but kind of those moments that that we hold that made such a difference to us. Thank you guys uh, for showing up. This was a really rich conversation. Yes, thank you so much, everyone. And Jan,
1: thank you so much for being our guest today. And thanks everyone for sharing your stories. Yeah, thank so you feel you. free to come off mute and say goodbye
8: devastation. Um, thank you very houses, much. roots strips off of houses, walls, tuck down from houses, trees in <laughs> areas where parts of the con, the asphalt.
3: Bye, everybody. So
4: Bye. There, Bye. Thank you. Take care.
1: Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought
4: to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.